again and welcome to Laundromat Insights. I'm your host, Randy Radke. Today we are joined by a true visionary owner in our business, Mike Gilly, owner of Laundry and Tan Connection. How the heck are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm staying warm here in, in frigid Wisconsin, doing my best. Well, you better be inside then. <laughs> Absolutely. So Mike, tell us a little bit about your business. Well, uh, I started in the coin laundry business in uh, October of 1991, so we're, we're rapidly approaching uh, 30 years at this point, and uh, it, was, it was kind of a fluke uh, to get in the coin laundry business. I, I don't think uh, at, at the time I was probably 16 years old, and I, I'm not sure I'd ever done a load of laundry myself, so uh, it, it was really a fluke how I ended up in the coin laundry business. You know, as I think about... Uh, you're starting the business and you're you're starting the business world overall. It's I see you as this the the truest entrepreneur I can think of. When I was in high school, I was thinking about what was happening on the weekend. But when you were in high school, you were running a real estate business. Yeah, I was. Um, I, I started off at like 12 years old mowing grass, and then that kind of morphed into buying rental houses and. This, this was 30 years ago. So, you know, today everybody calls it flipping. I was buying uh, rundown properties, fixing them up, renting them out, selling some of them. And uh, so I would, you know, I would go to school during the daytime. And then after school was out, I would, uh, I'd go work on these houses and uh, they were in really rough shape. Some of them I bought were burnouts, abandoned houses. And uh, I bought uh, three or four of them in the same neighborhood. They were all within a block of one another. And how I got introduced to the coin laundry is there was a convenience store in that neighborhood. And uh, I'd go into the convenience store every day to get something to drink or a snack or whatever. Right next door to it was a coin laundry. And uh, one day I asked the lady that owned the convenience store, she was an owner operator. I said, what's the deal with the coin laundry next door? And she said, well, um, you know, it's mine. And my my guy, George, uh, he's gotten too old. He, he can't fix anything anymore. So, you know, it just kind of is what it is. And it was, it was just in horrible shape. I, I, I'm not even sure that four or five pieces of equipment worked in the place. It was, it was very small. It was like probably 900 square feet. And so I said to her one day, I said, you want to sell it? And I'm thinking to myself, boy, this looks like a great business. You know, uh, you just put equipment in here and uh, people pay you money. They don't, I don't have to worry about them calling and telling me why they can't pay the rent, whatever. You, you got to pay up front. And uh, all I do is just come by once a week and collect the money. I thought this is this is going to be fantastic. So I ended up I ended up buying it from the lady. I can certainly go into uh, how it didn't exactly work out the uh, the way that I thought it was. That uh, it was just going to be so fantastic that I could just stop by once a week and collect the money. I have I have this vision of you taking the, the panels off of top load washers and spending your weekend replacing pumps and things of that nature. Am I, am I right in kind of visualizing that? Well, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was quite interesting because uh, I wasn't at that time I was 16 years old, so I wasn't even legally old enough to sign the lease and I didn't want my parents to know I had done it. So I had a friend of mine sign the lease for me. Then we went in and started rehabbing this coin laundry, fixing it up just like we did the rental houses, painted and fixed and started learning how to work on washers and dryers. And uh, we started fixing it and it was basically an unattended store. So tried to fix everything that we could fix. Quite honestly, looking back on it, none of it was really fixable. It was all in that bad of shape. 
Um, and I think uh, after a few months, I ended up, you know, buying more used equipment uh, to replace the really beat up stuff. If there was if there was a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it, I did it the wrong way the first time every time. Uh, but but I was I was pretty good at learning, so uh, I tried not to repeat the same mistake again. So even given that start, you know, it, it wasn't exactly how you draw it up, but you were learning along the way. You know, a little bit of hit and miss here and there. What was it about this that I'm assuming this wasn't a cash cow? It wasn't throwing a a, a ton of money in your pocket, but what was it about the business and even a, a somewhat not great experience that, that made you go, you know what, there's something here? I liked the business model, but unfortunately, I felt like once I had been in it for about a year or so, I knew that you know everything about the location was wrong. So uh, I started learning from my mistakes and looked uh, for other locations. That's how I realized that you know, everything that I was doing was really all for naught because the, the location was just horrible. Does there come a time that you just say, you know what, I got to get out from under this thing. This is, this is not going to work. Uh, yeah. After I had put uh, a bunch of money in it and uh, it was then somewhat of a viable business, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't anything that I wanted to keep. So I then uh, sold it on contract to somebody. They had it for a few months. I ended up getting it back and I ended up just closing the store because it was a losing money proposition. But I took out all the knowledge that I had from that and used it to do the next store. So you're saying you come out of this and the, the first learning lesson is, hey, if I get a decent location this business starts to be pretty attractive. Absolutely. So span of time then that you get out from under this one and you're looking at restarting your career in the laundry business and opening it. Two years store. later. Okay. It was two years later. It was nineteen ninety three. So what does that experience look like then? You're I'm assuming knowing the kind of guy you are, you're jotting down notes, you're planning over that two years and you're going you know what, when I get, when I attack this business a second time, it, I'm, I'm going to crush it. Yeah. It, uh, I, so I then, uh, I worked with my speed queen distributor at that time. He had another customer with a store come up for sale. I liked the location. This was by this time, my parents knew that I was in the business. My mom became my partner, uh, because this was a lot more expensive store. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the credit worthiness. So my mother became my partner. We bought this other store in 1993, immediately started rehabbing it, you know, fixing it up, cleaning it, replacing equipment. I'll never forget, you know, I, I can't remember. I think it was probably thirty or $40,000 worth of washing machines and the payment was $500 a month. I, I ordered, I don't know, it was probably five or six machines. And I thought, oh my gosh, how am I going to pay the first payment when they get here? It just you know, got real. It, and, uh, Quite honestly, the worst week in that store was the first week that I owned it, and I grew the business from there, and that was a 3,200-square-foot store, and then two, two years later, I relocated that store in the same shopping center uh, and turned it into a 7,400-square-foot coin laundry, and that's when I added uh, tanning to the equation and added the revenue model of making it a coin laundry and tanning salon. And that was in 19, I think it actually opened in 96, but we started, we started building it in 95. 
So I, I definitely want to get into the, the tanning part of the business, but I feel like uh, for my own curiosity, I have to backtrack a, a little bit and, and ask, okay, you get in this first store and you kind of kept it a secret from your parents. You're in high school, you're running a coin laundry business. How did, how did the cat come out of the bag and what was that conversation like? I wasn't very good uh, because, uh, you know, I proceeded to, you know, I lost a lot of money and I don't know, it was probably six months before they found out about it. But uh, by that time I had dumped a bunch of money in it and uh, it was, you know, it wasn't the best decision in the world, Uh, but I learned a lot from it. So, um, but they they were not very amused uh, with, uh, with uh, what I had done, but it all worked out. Um, you know, it was, it was just like paying for a college. The buying of the first store was like paying for a college education because, uh, uh, that's probably what it cost me. And, uh, I learned a lot from it. The school of hard knocks. I love it. Yes. So at some point, um, your, your mom is helping you get into this second store. So you must've done a sales pitch on, on her to say, Hey, I, I might've lost a lot of money on this first one, but I'm telling you, this business is good. Yep. I sure did. I sure did. So it gets us back up to, you know, we're, we're now doing really well. We got a a couple stores under our belt and the, and the tanning comes into the mix. How did that get started? Well, this, you got to remember, this is back in the, you know, 1994, 95. And uh, I had, I had grown the business uh, in the second store I had replaced probably by this time over a couple of years, I had replaced almost all the equipment in the store. I had really grown the business. The business was probably two and a half, three times what it was when I bought the store. And uh, I was, it was operating at maximum capacity. Uh, I couldn't do any more business. So uh, I really wanted to make a bigger store, but I also wanted some sort of another revenue stream. So at this time, I looked at like Subway. I looked at, you know, video stores. You know, a lot of people probably don't even know what a video store is today. <laughs> right. We're um, dating ourselves. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I looked at food. I looked at video stores. I looked at all kinds of different business models. And I ended up deciding on the tanning business because the business model was identical. You bought capital equipment and you rented it for time. And uh, so the business model was identical. And I thought there was great synergies between the customer base. Uh, the vast majority of my customers in the coin laundry were women. And uh, I felt like uh, a lot of women would really like tanning. And I thought this would be great. They could, uh, they could tan while they're doing their laundry and it'd give them something to do. Um, I was a little bit wrong in that respect. Uh, is there some crossover? Yes, there is some crossover of our coin laundry customers who do tan while they're doing their laundry. But really, uh, what I created was two separate businesses uh, under one roof. Um, the demographics are very similar, but they're not identical. And so what we had was a coin laundry that was open uh at that time, probably uh, at that time, I was probably only open 7 a.m. to midnight. But when I built the new big store, I opened it 24 hours a day. So then we had services, coin laundry services, 24 hours a day. We offered tanning services 24 hours a day. And no, none of my competitors in the tanning business could do that. They couldn't afford to operate 24 hours a day where I did. So I had a lot of uh, uh, it was it was good from that respect that I had a lot of advantage because of the you know, the hours that I was open. Do you do any 
cross marketing between the two Absolutely. outlets? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the, the demographics are very similar. Um, so uh, it, it's worked out, you know, we've been doing it since, uh, you know, 95, 96 uh, with a combination coin laundry and tanning salon. I've replicated it, you know, a ton of times and uh, uh, we've done really well with it. Fantastic. You've built basically a laundry empire, a laundry and tanning empire. Talk a little bit about the footprint that your business now occupies. You're in multiple states. You're doing all these things. Well, we have, we have uh, you know, we build a, a store based on the demographic area. So, you know, I today I have probably the smallest store we have is somewhere around 3,000 square feet. The largest store is 8,000 square feet. So, you know, you can't just go plop an 8,000 square foot store anywhere you feel like, um, you know, the demographics have to support it. So, you know, all of our stores are basically fit to the demographic area of where they're, of where they're located. You know, some of the stores we've built some from scratch, some of the stores we've acquired over the years and remodeled, rebranded, re-equipped. And uh, that, that's how we've done it. And, you know, we've, I've probably done it. Uh, today, I think we operate about 18 stores uh, in a couple of different states. Um, over the years, I've probably operated as many as 30 of them, I would say. Given that, when we last chatted, what I what struck me is you're not afraid to walk away from a location when it doesn't make sense or it, it it's just too rough. Talk a little bit about that experience. I know you walked away from one store where it, was, it just wasn't worth worth the effort. No, um, uh, I'm I'm a lot older now than I was when I started when I was you know 16 years old, and uh, I want to operate stores that uh, my employees are safe. My customers are safe. Uh, a few years ago, probably four or five years ago, we built a, a beautiful store. Um, it was about an 8,000 square foot store. Uh, the demographics said it was going to be great, um, but it was in a very, very low end uh, neighborhood. And uh, we just had all kinds of problems uh, with uh, the community. The community, the customers loved the store. They thought it was beautiful. They liked having it. But you had a few bad apples that, uh, you know, uh, would were and basically the final straw. Um, somebody came in and robbed my regional manager and my store manager held him at gunpoint. And I said, you know, that's this is it. I said, uh, it's it's not worth dying for. And um, the store was probably a year and a half old. Uh, we owned the building and we had, you know, you know, it was an 8,000 square foot store full of brand new laundry equipment. And uh, I closed the store that day and said, uh, we, we don't need to make money this bad. Right. Well, what other advice would you have for newcomers coming in? Um, I, I would say the, you know, the best advice is, uh, you know, the location is exceptionally critical. Making sure that there's enough business in the marketplace it doesn't do any good to go build coin laundries on top of other coin laundries. Uh, nobody makes money that way. So making sure that there's a core demographic base to support the business, that's the first and most important step. And then, you know, selecting your, your partner as far as, you know, what equipment you're going to utilize, picking out your equipment mix. 
Um, you know, the technology is a lot better today than when it was when I started 30 years ago. And uh, Speed Queen has been a, a great partner of mine in selling me equipment, financing equipment, uh, doing acquisition financing for me. They've, they've really been a great partner. Looking back on the years that you've been in this industry, would you do anything differently if you could go back and talk to that high schooler who, who decided to buy a, a laundry without mom and dad's approval? Would you, would you still go back and do it? I, I would say yes, um, because there's, I've had a lot of adversities in my life. And uh, you, can't, you can't drive them from the rearview mirror. What you need to do is take every life experience that you have, whether it's good or bad, and you learn from those experiences. So uh, I have not died. So uh, I've lost a lot of money, made a lot of poor decisions. Uh, but I've learned from all those decisions and trying not to replicate them is the biggest thing for me. So uh, would I like to have uh, some of the millions of dollars that I've lost over the years back? Sure. But that really doesn't make you a better person. You know, I don't have a time machine. So um, all I can do is utilize the poor decisions that I made uh, that were maybe not calculated enough at the time and not repeat those. Absolutely. Is there one decision that you look back on and go, you know what? I definitely made the right call and it, and it made my business that much better for the long haul. Um, you know, I, I would say uh, uh, there's, you know, at, at the stage that I'm at with, uh, with, with stores today, there, there's not a lot of opportunities in the markets that we're in for me to grow and expand my business. Uh, because most of the stores that uh, are good stores, we own them. Not that we don't have any uh, good competitors, because we, we do have some good competitors, but the stores aren't for sale. And it doesn't make sense for me to go and plop up a store, you know, a half a mile away from a good operating store or put a store right across the street from a good operating store. I, I know that there's no money to be made in that. So um, I would say that's a very valuable lesson that, you know, I've observed over the years. I, I would say that's probably the most critical but I would say, you know, something that has made me a lot of money over the years, it always amazes me um, when we do replacement equipment. And, you know, today or, you know, right now, uh, the stage that I'm in, you know, uh, we're, we're constantly evaluating uh, when to replace something. And it always amazes me how much, you know, customers appreciate uh, new equipment. And, uh, you know, you may be taking out equipment that's, uh, that's working perfectly fine, but you know, it's always nice to have that shiny new equipment in there and the customers really do appreciate it. And I think ultimately it, it helps grow the business over time. For sure. Do you, have you found that they're willing to pay more if that equipment's new? Absolutely. We always try to increase the price, not substantially, but you know, a quarter or something. Um, when we put new equipment in, it's a great time to raise the price. And they don't and they don't complain about it. Absolutely. So, again, drawing upon your experience, what you've been through and, and gazing into your crystal ball the years ahead. What does the future of our industry look like in your eyes? I think it's a very stable industry. Um, 
you know, I, if you'd asked me two years ago, you know, did I think it was possible that, you know, you know, I don't, I'm not sure two years ago, I knew what a pandemic was. Um, so, um, Today, it's, you know, uh, I was very thankful over the last year that, you know, coin laundries were, you know, deemed, deemed essential services, which I truly believe they are. Uh, so I'm very thankful to be in this business rather than, you know, a restaurant business or hotel business or a lot of other things. So I, I think over the last year, we've, we've passed through a lot of hurdles. Um, I've been through really good economies over 30 years. I've been through really bad economies over 30 years. And I wouldn't call this business recession proof. I would call it recession resistant. And now I would call it pandemic resistant. Yeah. So it's uh, it's been a wonderful business to me over the 30 years. You know, I, I couldn't be more pleased. And uh, now I'm 40, I don't know, 46 years old. So, you know, maybe I got another 30 years left in me. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. More stores expand that empire. Well, I, I think I probably have to go find other cities to do it. You know that I, I kind of, I've kind of about drained the uh, marketplace here of of what I can do. When people learn that you are in the laundry business, what's the number one question you get asked from people outside our industry? Uh, I think I think the the industry as a whole has a a unfortunately a bad stigma to it. You know, people think that coin laundries are dirty, nasty places. So we as an industry, if, you know, if we could do something to project our image as, you know, more clean and modern, that would be wonderful. And there's still a lot of dirty, nasty, unattended coin laundries out there. But I think that's what people envision rather than a, you know, bright, clean, seven, 8,000 square foot store with, uh, with new modern equipment. Definitely. We continue to make strides in that, in that arena to, to build those different customer bases and, and try and change, change perceptions. And I, I think, do you, do you feel like we're making strides on, on that front? I do. I do. I think it's just going to take a long time. True. It's, it's not going to be a, you know, something you're going to change in six months or a year. Uh, you got to have better operate, better owner operators uh, that reinvest in their business and make nicer facilities. And, and those people that have nasty facilities, they should be put out of business. You know, what, what I don't agree with is, you know, people building coin laundries on top of other coin laundries that are, that are good operators. I think that's, that's just suicide to, uh, to both operators. Yeah, I absolutely hate, hate to see that in the industry for sure. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for making time to chat with us today. Always a pleasure speaking with you. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to help. And uh, Speed Queen has been a wonderful ambassador to me over the 30 years, and uh, I couldn't have done it without them. So it, it's been wonderful. Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And we'll see the rest of you next time on Laundromat Insights.